When it comes to investing in innovation, trust the experts. RoboGlobal provides laser-focused investment portfolios that deliver access to robotics, AI, and healthcare innovation globally. The HTech portfolio captures the technologies transforming the medical space, providing unique exposure to best-in-class companies. Investors, turn to this diversified approach backed by research from the experts. Learn more today at RoboGlobal.com HTEC. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and More. Welcome everyone to another episode of the NBA Podcast. We're going to continue today with our division previews, this time tackling the Southwest Division. And Sarah, I'm really sorry. The time has come, but we got to talk about Tim Duncan retiring. We, I know you've been waiting a couple months to emotionally recover, but That's the fine. time has finally come. I'll try to hang in there for that. No <laughs> That's promises. That's good. That's good. I'm joined today, as always, by Sarah Chalet. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. And Morton Jensen. And to spare Sarah, our resident Spurs fan here, we're going to start with the Dallas Mavericks. We're going to save her Spurs for last. So (laughs) the Mavericks basically turned into Golden State East this summer. They took two of the Warriors' five starters, Harrison Barnes and Andrew Bogut, also stole Seth Curry while no one was looking, which I know Morton and I are both upset about. Uh, they did on. They had some major losses, though. They basically swapped centers with Golden State, losing Zaza Pachulia. David Lee also left. Chandler Parsons is in Memphis. So I think, Morton, the big question with Dallas, Harrison Barnes signs a four-year max deal with them. Is oh, he going to flourish in a bigger role with them, or is this going to be another one of Mark Cuban's famed strikeouts in free agency? Well, he better, right? $94.4 million for a guy who scored 11.7 points a game last year, I want to say, in 30 minutes. Look, I know it was in the Golden State, but he had so many open looks that he just didn't convert on. That worries me. The fact that he's now given the ball a little bit more is intriguing. I will admit to that, because it at least presents an opportunity for him to show something that he couldn't show in Golden State because of you know Dre and Steph and Clay, but am I overwhelmingly optimistic? 
Probably not. Not to the tune of his max contract, at least. I don't think he's going to produce that level. I do think he's a solid player overall. It's not like I'm hating on Barnes in, in an isolated view. If he can go out and get, like, 15 and 7, which I suspe- suspect he will, mm-hmm. then, the, then that's good. That's good production. It's just not max worthy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll have to... We keep saying this, but we have to recalibrate what we expect from max contract players because of the new economics. So basically a guy, I mean, Harrison Barnes is not going to live up to that deal, but he is, as you said, he's a fine player. I I think he will be better than what he showed in golden state. So it's just, can you divorce Harrison Barnes from his contract? If so, he's going to be a welcome addition to Dallas. If you factor his contract in, then there are going to be some, some warped expectations. And the same thing happened with Andre Iguodala in Philadelphia. Like, I mean, Iggy was a great player, but he had an $80 million contract and that always went to define him. So for Barnes's sake, I hope that doesn't happen, but it is going to be an anchor around his neck for his next four years. You you think it did with Iggy though? I never felt that. Oh yeah. I mean, just, just speaking from someone who had to witness what the Philadelphia media did to Iggy, uh, he was... He was not a fan favorite until he left. And now that he's in Golden State, I feel like everyone has begun to appreciate him from afar. Uh, But at the time, he was supposed to be kind of the successor to Allen Iverson. And that set him up uh, very damningly. Did not do him any favors. That's funny. Like, outside of Philly, I I just... I don't have any recollection of anyone really hating on that contract. It seemed like it was a pretty you know, normal thing to extend him to, to 80 million because he was an all defense type of guy. I know in Chicago, everyone loved him. Mm-hmm. They wanted him on the bulls and, and likewise for a lot of Western teams. Yeah. Um, they really thought of, uh, they, they thought that his potential and his defensive prowess was brilliant. So that's actually, that that's coming as a surprise to me, but in regards to Harrison Barnes, you have to admit though, Iggy proved a lot more than Barnes has ever done. Yeah. Like he, Barnes is a fair defender, but he's not like this destructive type of defender. Mm-hmm. And he's like a decent rebounder, but he's not a downright strong rebounder. He's a fair spot-up shooter, but he's not an elite spot-up shooter. Like, he's good at a lot of things, but he's elite at nothing. Right. And the and the curve could swing the other way. He could actually crash through. But I'll, I'll, I'll give you this. I'll try my damnedest this year to divorce his contract from his play. Yeah. And I do agree, he'll have a better year than, than anyone he, he's had in Golden State, and I do think he'll find a niche. Yeah. yeah. But still, $94 million. Ooh, it's going to be hard to divorce, though. <laughs> right, that's, that's the problem. I want half. Yeah, yeah right. That, that would be, if he was being paid half, no one would have any problem with him. Uh, no, no, no. Sarah, I'm going to go with you to this next question, because this guy has been tormenting your Spurs and the entire Western Conference for years. Dirk Nowitzki, how much do you think he has left in the tank? Uh, he's 38 now, I believe. I feel like Dirk is probably going to have a similar year to last year. He's kind of like Timmy was towards the end of his career. You get to a point where, and and for Dirk, his athleticism kind of was what it was his whole career. But, <laughs> you know, it's not going to really deteriorate that much more. It is what it is. And he's learned how to play uh, with what he has. So he's going to be effective still. Um, 
They just need to try not to ride him so much, and you'll get more out of him uh, if he has a little bit of help, um, which hopefully he will. I mean, they have some interesting pieces around him. Uh, you guys talked about Harrison, which, uh, you know, apologies, Morton, because I'm going to veer off into football again for a minute here. American football. <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> um you know, Brian, it kind of reminds me of, I mean, it's totally different, but it made me think of uh, last year, the Eagles signed uh, DeMarco Murray, right? Oh, God. And took him from the Cowboys, and he had a horrendous year, fair enough. But mm-hmm. in a way, I felt like it was still worth it just because you pulled him away from the Cowboys where he was <laughs> a terror. Um, that was different because Harrison wasn't such a big piece uh, for the Warriors. But I have feel like... Mark Cuban is just trying to, like, pull everyone he could away from the Warriors. Yeah, right. <laughs> Except for he forgot to take, like, Steph or anybody from the big four. But I don't know. That's you know, Mark Cuban. Andrew... He used to do that with the Spurs, just poach our players all the time. <laughs> now he's turned to the Warriors. I mean, Andrew Bogut might be the example of that. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, we mentioned this in the Pacific preview, but we all think they're really going to miss his uh, – yeah. he, you know, he was never a – strong score he was like at most the fifth option on the floor at all times but he set those bone crunching screens and i don't know that zaza is going to do that the whole year so i I, you know i think you're onto something sarah i think that was a (laughs) that was an act of sabotage because remember he had to agree to that trade before durant could sign in golden state and i'm sure you know that they would have found another taker for bogut they would have packaged whatever for him but like, he did have to sign on to that to enable Durant to go. So there, there might be something to that. You, you might be on to something. I don't know. Uh, so another one of the big guys I want to focus on is Wes Matthews. Because yes. last well, last year he came, uh, came back from the Achilles injury. You know, it sounded like he was going to miss a decent part of the year, but he only he missed four games. Like, he had some Wolverine-esque healing. So what do we expect, Sarah, from year two of Wes Matthews post-Achilles? I mean, fingers crossed, no more foot, Achilles, anything type of injuries. I think he's going to have a good year. As you could see when he came back last year that he was like, he was hungry, right? (laughs) He was chomping Mm -hmm. at the bit to get back on the floor. And I think he felt like he had something to prove. Um, So I, I look for him to have a pretty big year if they don't get their money's worth from Harrison. I hope they will from, from Wes. And, you know, we talked about him last year. Justin Anderson, I think, is a really yeah. interesting guy, too. Yeah. So they, they got some, some athleticism and some speed to put around Dirk. So <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yeah, to compensate for Dirk being 38. But that, that one-legged <laughs> fadeaway is never going to go away. <laughs> and we're nearing 30000 for Dirk. We need to have like a dirt tracker for this year. <laughs> no, but seriously, twenty nine thousand four hundred and ninety one points. Oh, he's just five hundred and nine points away from thirty k. Oh, he's gonna hit it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. Oh, that's Big fun. Uh, well, I'm sure ESPN will have a a dirt tracker when it comes time, or if not, Ugh. Mavericks fans so... should be rightfully be angry because they celebrated Kobe's every last point last year. Uh, before we move on from the Mavs, 
where Sarah already brought up Justin Anderson, who I'm also in love with. Who are some of the yeah. other sneaky contributors that you think are going to make a big impact this year? Oh, your guys are forcing me away from talking about Justin Anderson. That's not cool. <laughs> Look, I, I like Justin. He's he's my one. He's my number one young guy on that roster. Mm-hmm. But I mean, AJ Hammonds has some mm. potential. He's big. He clocks the lane. He's got uh, some offensive potential. I you know. Here's the thing, though. Can he? Could he become like the the starting center after Bogut? Could he develop into that? I'm not sure yet, but right. I think he's got the body to it. I'm not just. I'm not sure if his speed translates to the NBA level because I don't think he was that quick. Mm-hmm. But he was kind of sneaky. Okay. Yeah, I think kind of sneaky, speedy. Yeah. I think they're also for. I mean, I'm not totally sure on this, but I, I did hear Cuban really sing the praises of Salah Medri. I probably just butchered that name horrendously, but uh, they really seemed to like him last year. So they, Yeah, they... but he's 30. He's not one of the young guys, though. Oh, that's true. Okay, so maybe maybe there's like a line of succession from Bogut to <laughs> Medri to Hammonds. Oh, yeah, I like that thought. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't even consider Hammonds, honestly, but he's... I, I will be keeping my eye on him. Seth Curry, I mean, I said it. Oh, you were fishing for Seth. Yeah, I said That's, it at the top. Oh. That was just pure thievery. That was pure, pure thievery. And I'm excited to see what he does outside of the swamp that is the Sacramento Kings. Um, and then Darren Williams. I feel like he gets written off because, you know, five years ago it was he's one of the best point guards in the league, and then he had all those lower body injuries. But. He was sneaky good last year, so I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. I mean, they they don't need him to score 20 points a game. They have uh, West, they have Harrison, they have Dirk. So I think he will be a a good conductor of that offense. So keep an eye on the Mavs this year. I I don't think, you know, we always say uh, Cuban doesn't hit his plan A in free agency, but he always manages to keep this roster relevant, so... I think this is going to be another year where the Mavs are just floating around in that like five through eight mess in the West. And speaking, can we just take one more minute to talk about Seth? Yeah, because you you mentioned that that he got like a they got a steal in him, especially contract wise. But I just want to reiterate that contract for a second: two years, six million, not per year, but total. We we're in agreement that Seth should fire his agent right now, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't understand how a guy like Seth Curry doesn't fetch seven mil a year in this market. I don't get that. Yeah, he at all. He's a, he's a tremendous shooter. He looked wonderful at the end of last year. I know it was in Sacramento, but still, like he played within himself. He never really was a part of any of the problems. Like remember, there was a report last year that in one of the King's practices, only six players oh, yeah. showed up, or whatever right, number it right, was. Right. Well, one of those guys who showed up was Seth Curry. Yeah, he was so one of the few yeah. who didn't stage a mutiny against George Carl. Exactly, he's just he's the type of guy who keeps his head down and works. Yeah, put in, puts in the work. Two years, six million. You gotta be kidding me. Yeah, that was. I I really think that was one of the biggest deals of free agency, and everyone is gonna wonder like how he didn't side for four times as much so yeah I, i've told bobby carella from maps.com that i think seth is the steal of the summer yeah uh, i mean it's 
more more times than once because I'm jealous right. as hell. I know. That's, I mean, look, my team signed Rashawn Rondo to 14 million. <laughs> I, I would have given that contract to Seth like without blinking. Yeah, yeah. Both of us had our eye on him going into free agency. Yeah. So excuse our homerism. Uh, (laughs) let's move over now to the houston rockets who i mean they had one of the most interesting off seasons i think you know they lost white howard lost jason terry lost terrence jones they bring in mike d'antoni which is the biggest story uh but also get ryan anderson eric gordon and a you know uh, some established there some of them are pushing toward the older side but eric gordon's like 27 i think i mean seems like he's been around forever but He's still pretty young, actually. So, I mean, let's let's tackle the big question right away, and we'll start with you, Sarah. Is this team going to be able to stop anyone? <laughs> uh, what's what's the magic eight ball say? Not likely. <laughs> <laughs> Outlook not not favorable. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I'm thinking that they're not super concerned with that. I mean, I'm sure they would tell you that they are, but. They're all fascinated with their D'Antoni offense, so hopefully that pans out for them or not. I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're fan, expecting so. a bunch of 130 to 127 shootouts, basically. I would say so, yeah. 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 Fantasy basketball owners out there, target them both in season and daily fantasy because they're going to be – they're going to hemorrhage points on both ends. Um, Morton – so Mike D'Antoni comes out uh, during training camp and says James Harden is his full-time point guard, not this like combo guard who handles the offense. Full-time point guard. Do you see that working out for them? I don't see any change in it. Mm. I I realized that he started at the two, mm-hmm. but he's he still handled the ball like eighty eighty five percent of the time. Yeah, like I I don't I don't see like a big difference in in his approach to the game. Okay, his numbers may go up a little bit, but that's it. Is is he still going to be a, a liability defensively? Yeah, probably. And if he's going to play point guard full-time, that means defending point guards, mm. the deepest position in the league. That's wildly concerning. <laughs> Offensively, he might have more freedom if it means that he's matched up against point guards on the other end because he'll have a size advantage, a strength advantage. So yeah, like he could put up 30 and 8, probably. And maybe even more because Mike D'Antoni gone crazy, y'all. Yeah, he uh, he was not far off. I think he had like twenty nine, seven, and six last year, so he was not far yeah. off from that already. You know what? Then I'm actually gonna bump it up a little bit. He's he he could have like a thirty two nine year. Yeah, and that's that's obviously insane, right? Offensively speaking, but he could he could give up thirty on his own each and every night. This is like. The the two thousand and tens version of the run TMC right, mm-hmm. the old Golden State team with yep. with Mitch and Chris and Tim. Which oh man, I I have some tapes of the of, of them at home. They're still insane. Looking back at this is going to be one of those teams that averages like one hundred and fourteen points and gives up yeah roughly the same yeah. even more. <laughs> right. But the big question to me is, can Clint Capella really carry that defensive load Mike mm-hmm. D'Antoni has given him right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's like the sole guy in there who will guard the rim. Right. Like, you can't you can't ask Nene to do it anymore. Yeah. He's older than dirt. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, they do have, in terms of rim protectors, I think you're totally right. You know, they, they <laughs> that's going to be an issue all year, especially if Capella cannot replace Howard. Because, you know, for mm-hmm. all the crap that Dwight got, he was still a pretty decent defender last year. He was not, like, the elite version he was back in Orlando, but he was not a net minus on that end. They do, though, they have Patrick Beverly, who's going to stay a starter. They have Trevor Ariza, both of whom are above-average defenders. So I I would assume their goal is that their perimeter defense will spare Clint from having to be in too many negative situations. But, I mean, he's, he's definitely going to have his hands full. I don't think he's going to be able to focus on offense very much this year, to say the least. Yeah, but Patrick Beverly, how many minutes he's going to get? Is he going to play, like, shooting guard offensively now? Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, he... So D'Antoni says he's the full-time point guard Harden is. I, yeah. I assume Harden is still going to guard twos, and Beverly is still going to guard point guards, because I just don't see how, you know, you're trying to maximize James Harden offensively and limit his defensive miscues... I don't see how putting him against a point guard defensively is going to do that. <laughs> I feel like Beverly needs to be the one guarding Russell Westbrook and guarding Chris Paul, yeah. or they're going to, I mean, they'll give up 135 a night. So I think, you know, the, the notion of positionless basketball is probably going to apply very well in Houston, where basically Harden is playing the two, but he has the role of a one offensively, whereas... Beverly is strictly off the ball now. They're not going to run the offense through him at all, but he's still going to guard the opposing. Yeah, the opposing top one. Yeah, I was just about to say because if if James Harden is going <laughs> to guard the two guard and two guards on the other end is going to guard Harden, like mm-hmm. <laughs> then he's not a point guard, right? Yeah, <laughs> like that's that, like here's the thing. I don't think it's going to make any ounce of a difference. And you also have Eric Gordon, by the way, yeah. who needs minutes. Yep. And he is, like, strictly a two. He yep. can't play the one. He He's too small for the three. He And he has to, like, get, like, what, uh, 25, 28 minutes at least? Yeah, when, when healthy. If you pin, you, When healthy, that's the thing. But, okay, so pencil that in. That leaves little minutes for Beverly, right? James is going to play, like, 40 yeah. anyway. Yeah, he played upwards of, I think, 38 around last year. Yeah. I mean, you got to figure. He, he spoke with Adrian Wojnarowski recently and said he's trying to play all 82 games. It's really important to him. His team needs him on the floor. He said he's going to try more on defense for whatever that's worth. Uh, I mean, I could... It sounds crazy, but maybe you do play either Harden or Gordon at the three at times and go with this super small ball thing with, like, Ryan Anderson at the five and Ariza at the four. I mean, again, you I don't see any combination of players on this team that's not going to hemorrhage points. Yeah. So, at, No, but I like that one, though. Yeah, at a, certain, like at a certain rate, at a certain point, you just need to kind of just say, screw it, and let's outscore them. Let's just yeah. outshoot anyone we play, so... I think you're right, Mort, that there are definitely concerns um, with finding adequate minutes for all three of those guys. But I do think we could see some we could see some Gordon at the point even. I mean, it's not his natural position. But, again, if Harden is the ball handler at the two, you know, Gordon's just the uh, off-ball guy. Yeah, you can guy. live with it. Yeah. So. yeah. Derek Fisher role. Right, exactly. So, yeah. okay. 
We talked about Gordon. How about Ryan Anderson? I think he's also a pretty interesting uh, fit there. What, what do you say, Sarah? How do you see him fitting in Houston? He fits great because, you know, James is going to be sucking in the entire defense with his pick and rolls. Um, so Ryan's just going to float out there and have a good old time. Um, he had a big showing in, in, of course, a preseason game, but the other night. So and if he gets his, his mojo working... <laughs> he, could have, he could have a really good year, um, and that would be big for them. I, actually, they need him to have a big year, Yeah, if, especially if their plan is to outscore people. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, he, he is another one of the net defensive minuses uh, that they need to worry <laughs> about. But, you know, in New Orleans last year, you know, Drew Holiday was healthier than he had been, and Anderson had a pretty decent year. But the past couple years, like, they've just been so ravaged in the backcourt with injuries that I don't know Anderson had a chance. Like, he's not a guy who's going to create off the dribble for himself. He's a catch-and-shoot guy. So, as you said, Sarah, with Harden sucking in the defense on these pick-and-rolls, Anderson's just going to be chilling behind the three-point line, you know, ready to bomb away from deep. So, I, I think... Houston did well. We talked about this in the Central, how Indiana and Chicago did very poorly to mesh their personnel with their coaches. Houston did very well to find players yeah. who will fit with D'Antoni's philosophy. Whether that's successful when you're giving up 130 points, we will find out soon. But uh, they're going to be one of the most fun teams to watch on League Pass, if nothing else. If healthy, because injuries is a legitimate concern, like Ryan Anderson has not cracked 70 games played for three years. Mm. And we all know about you know, Eric Gordon. Yeah, that's a good point. And Beverly has his own history of he got a torn meniscus mm. at one point. So, yeah. yeah. And and here's the thing: like with more with a with a larger responsibility and potentially heavier load of minutes, you know, James could be in there. Oh no, no, don't get that bad juju no, out I'm, of here. Yeah, no, no, don't. <laughs> what I'm saying is, it just you know, it it could happen. Yeah. You are more inclined to pick up nagging injuries True. and. If if James is adamant about playing 82 and he goes out playing on nagging injuries, mm-hmm. something could happen. Like knock on wood, hope it's not the case. But I'm just saying it's. I, I would I hope for Houston to be healthy, yeah. obviously, but I'm I'm not really that optimistic about it. That's that's a fair take. I will allow that. Uh, no, I'm glad. <laughs> let, <let's>, Judge Brian. <laughs> yeah. Let Let's move on to the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Another one of these teams that had some decent overhaul. I mean, they re-signed Mike Conley, which was their big thing. Uh, they brought Chandler Parsons in on a max deal. Got, I mean, we talked about them in the draft as one of the biggest winners. They got Wade Baldwin and then Deonta Davis, who, like, frankly, shouldn't have fallen out of the lottery. He fell to the second round for them. Um, the other big swap they made, Dave Yeager, their old coach, is now in Sacramento. David Fisdale is in Memphis. So, Sarah, I'm going to start with you here because, again, Memphis is one of those teams that has a storied history with the Spurs in recent years, particularly with their front court and one Zach Randolph. So it sounds like Fisdale is moving Zebo to the bench, and they're going to mm-hmm. put uh, Jamichael Green in as their starting power forward. Are you on board with that? Yeah, I'm on board with that. Um, I think Tom West of today's Fast Break just wrote about it today, mm-hmm. and he, he mm-hmm. also argued that it was a positive move. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. You give 
the team a better chance to be su- successful. That that starting five can probably, hopefully, theoretically, <laughs> space a little better. Um, and you have Michael Green, who's going to run the floor. Um, you also give Zebo a better chance to be effective because now he can just beat up on second units. Like who's going to guard him? You right. know. And then you give him the ability to do what he does best, which is get the ball down on the block and go to work. So I think it's it's a great move for them. And <laughs> it, it could change. Like we talked about the other day, um, we said, what, Warriors won, um, either Clippers or Spurs too. You know, those mm-hmm. are the two and three. Yep. Um, and not a lot of challenge there. But I think, you know, the Grizzlies – if they stay healthy, I don't see any reason why they can't be top five. Is that crazy out in the West? No, I, I, I'm on board with it. I mean, I think they'll be right in there. Utah is going to be up there as well, but you know, yeah. Aside from that, yeah. yeah, I don't see why not. Um, yeah, I mean, we, Parsons Parsons still isn't right though, right? That's right. a big if. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It sounds yeah. like he's still recovering from. He had knee surgery over the off season. It reportedly wasn't as severe as the one he had the previous season, which kind of hindered him throughout the 2015-2016 campaign. So we hope that he's able to be at full health at some point in the year, preferably by opening night. But it doesn't sound like at least the latter is going to happen. Um, so just getting back to your point about Zebo, you know, we've we talked about this repeatedly on this podcast how. It seems like there's this move in the NBA now where all of these like back-to-the-basket low-post guys are now starting to slide to the second unit. Like We've seen it you know, in Philly. It's going to be with Julio for In Indiana, they brought in Al Jefferson for that role. Milwaukee, it's probably going to be Greg Monroe in that role. And we like it every time it happens because that is, you know, you run with that first unit and then you bring your bench in and you slow it down, and you let these guys who could be starters on most teams beat up on overmatched bigs. So I also really like Zebo on the bench, as long as he's okay with it. I mean, I know they've tried it a couple times in previous years, and he was not as on board. Um, but it, it sounds like he's more amenable to the role this year. Uh, Mort, I'm going to go back to Chandler Parsons with you. Assuming he's healthy, which again is a big if, what do you think he brings to this Grizzlies team? Hopefully he picks up where he left off in Houston because mm-hmm. I did not like his stay in Dallas. Yep. It seemed like he was developing while still in Houston uh, a type of all-around game. You know, being a defensive... Not, he wasn't like a defensive guy, but he was he was improving in that regard. Mm-hmm. He was becoming a, a quite good rebounder and he was passing the ball a lot he was he was very ingrained in the offense Mm -hmm. he was a strong shooter he really used his athleticism it seemed like he was digging into this bag of potential that he had uh and then it somehow got sidetracked in dallas there were some injuries of course but it also seemed like the system just didn't fit Mm -hmm. if he picks it up from the his houston days that's going to be like a mind-blowingly huge addition for Memphis. Yes. Because they they desperately need someone who's on the other side of 30. Yep. <laughs> um, right. And when I say the first side, that's Marcus Gasol, Zebo, all those guys. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that they also got like Wade Bolden. And now I'm, I'm actually unsure how you pronounce his name because I've heard both. 
I've heard Deonta Davis and Deonta. How is oh, it? I have no idea. I'll find it. I'm going to go with Deonta. Okay. I, I think Deonta sounds cool. Yeah. And if he listens to the podcast, he, he, he'll email me and tell me <laughs> I'm an idiot. So, yeah. De- slide you know. into our DMs, Deonta, if we're pronouncing yeah, your name wrong. Definitely. Um, no, but, but yeah, he's going to bring a hell of a lot to the table, Parsons is. Mm-hmm. It, it, as long as it's just the Houston version. Yeah. Like, if this is the Dallas version, he got stuck in his development, then that's a big ass contract to hand out he got the same as harrison barnes right yeah 94.4 yep you got a full max that's, that's yeah that's a lot of money for someone who might be limited due to injuries or just a, a stagnated development yeah um, but here's the thing though athletic ability does help a lot in in actually regaining you know a touch mm-hmm. like you saw Derek rose because he was a, he's not the same player but he, because of his athletic ability, he's able to at least mimic some of the old stuff. He's able to carve out a career. Mm-hmm. Parsons is extremely athletic. I don't think he's lost that. He can still shoot the ball. Those two things are huge moving yeah. forward. Yeah. He just needs to build on it. Yeah, I think you're... I mean, again, we're assuming he's healthy here. We don't know. But no. Hope, hopefully that he is. And I'm right with you, man. I mean, I... I think in Houston, he was, he reminds me somewhat of like a poor man's Gordon Hayward almost. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah. And I, you know. White guy to white guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Typical, typical combo. Well, yeah. who, I mean, I don't know. What? Of a super poor man's LeBron James. Do you want me to go there? <laughs> like, yeah, a, I want you to go there because that's a huge thing. Yeah. yeah. A homeless man's LeBron James. There we go. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Fizdale has talked about getting this team to run more. You know, they they've been toward the back end of the league in pace uh, under Jaeger before. So if they do that, Parsons will be a big asset in that regard. And also, they just can't shoot threes. They have no one. I mean, they've been toward the bottom of the league in threes for the past couple of years as well. So that's a big thing they needed in their starting lineup, and Parsons can bring that. So. You know, knock on wood, he will be healthy. He will get over whatever knee injury is plaguing him. And then, I mean, Sarah, I'm right with you. I, I could totally see these Grizzlies right in that four or five mix with Utah in the West. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't think grit and grind is quite done yet. They no, got another, another run in them. I hope so. I mean, my my college roommate was from Memphis, so I'm partial to the Grizzlies because <laughs> because of him. Uh, I do want to ask. You know, Parsons is not the only one who is coming off of an injury. Both Conley and Mark Gasol are as well. Gasol is particularly troubling. It's a foot injury. He's on the wrong side of 30, yeah. as Mort mentioned. Sarah, do you think they bounce back and resemble their former selves this year? Gosh, I hope so. I, I'm more optimistic about Mike. I think he's going to be fine. Um, a little worried. Because with Mark, because you get a big man who has those lower body injuries, they can be recurring. But he uh, didn't he lose some weight? Like I think he's he's trying to go down the Timmy route of you know <laughs> let let me ease ease the pressure here a little bit and take some of the weight off. So yeah, fingers crossed. I'm I'm a little optimistic that that will help him out and he can stay on the floor this year. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, and for whatever it's worth, he is shooting threes now. So if nothing else, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna see three point Gasol 
Pow isn't the only one who can shoot threes. But but even if those two guys are still a little bit limited by injuries, that's when the youngsters in Wade Baldwin and Deontay Davis can come in. Mm-hmm. I like I I would really like to see them crack the rotation. Yeah, this year. Me too. I, I think I think it would be silly to wait a year. Just get them going right off the bat. Let them help out. Get some youth. Get some explosivity. Just some athleticism, some raw playmaking ability. They, they're just, I mean, you know, when you're that young, you're leaning a lot on emotion and energy, and I think the Grizz needs that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not saying that the grit and grind mentality should be gone, but I think they need something extra. Call it Viagra. <laughs> that should be their, that should really be oh their, their bench nickname, those two. Viagra? The, the Viagra brothers. <laughs> That's amazing. We really do need to... Let's try to make that happen. <laughs> if nothing else, it'll be our nickname for him. That's that's perfect. The Grindfather yeah. and then the Viagra Brothers. It's going to be a good yeah. year in Memphis. Uh, all right, let's turn our attention to the Pelicans, who I think, frankly, are one of the more interesting teams in the league based on expectations from this past year and what they lost and added this summer. So, so let's go back a year. They're coming off of that surprise playoff berth. Anthony Davis is getting preseason dark horse MVP buzz. They get devastated by injuries. Drew, Tyreek, and Eric Gordon all get hurt at separate points in the year. Davis, we find out, has been playing with the torn labrum for three years and also had to undergo surgery, I think on his knee. Uh, he misses out on all three All-NBA teams, misses out on $25 million. The Pelicans miss out on the playoffs substantially. They fit it. They get the number six pick of the draft. They get Buddy Heald. So now, instead of trying to retain Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon, they let both of those guys walk to Houston, and they retool with these like these under-the-radar players. They get Solomon Hill. They get Etwan Moore. They get Langston Galloway. And then, out of nowhere, they get Terrence Jones and Lance yeah. Stevenson. Two guys who, I mean, they, they couldn't find the taker. So, they're a very different-looking Pelicans team than we are used to. Um, and we, we need to uh, mention Tyreek is going to be out to start the year. He's still recovering. I think he had three knee surgeries in the past uh, 12 or 18 months, so he's still recovering from the latest one. Drew Holiday is also expected to be out uh, at the beginning of the year. We don't know for how long. His wife just had a baby uh, and she had a brain tumor that could not be operated on until after she gave birth. So Drew is staying with her through that whole process. Mm. Obviously, our thoughts and prayers are out to Drew during this whole thing. Basketball is obviously second right now. You know, we can't. Yeah. He's going to be back at some point, but no one should be trying to rush him back. His family takes precedence first. With that said, they've got a big hole now in the backcourt with you know, Drew and Tyreek are both going to be out opening night. Eric Gordon is now in Houston. So, Mort, who do you think steps up in that backcourt, especially at the beginning of the year? My man, Buddy Heald. Your man, Buddy Heald. The Rook. The Rook. Look, he is strong. Like, he is surprisingly strong. He's built for the NBA game. And the fact that he can shoot, put the ball on the deck, and create off the bounce, that's huge. Like, for a lot of guys, that's a two- to three-year process. Mm-hmm. He's got that now. 
okay, fair enough. He came off for four year college experience that helps a little bit, but he's just got this sense of getting the ball through the hoop, and that helps tremendously because that that eases the eases the burden on AD, and you kind of need that. Yeah. Here's the thing, though, going back to last year, it kind of it's a kind of good thing that they missed the playoffs and had to retool, right? Because yeah. look at the alternative, paying. Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson big money now and then just hoping to make another playoff run and then locking themselves up financially? Ah, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think so. Right. And Tyreek Evans, his day is gone at some point as well. I, I don't think he's he's got a future in, in New Orleans mm-hmm. when you can't shoot. And yeah, no, I just don't think that's in the cards for him. But Buddy Heald... Uh, as of right now, I'm not quite sure on Solomon Hill. He could be a dark horse candidate to step up, but mm-hmm. he's, he's he was dreadfully inefficient, if I recall correctly, in Indiana. Yeah, he's not one of these guys who who come up with great percentages, and he's not really that dynamic dynamic a player. So, um, Buddy Terrence Jones, maybe. Mm-hmm. It depends really on what his role is going to be. I haven't heard any, or read anything. Is he going to like? Is he has he been promised big minutes? Uh, I haven't heard if he's been promised big minutes. I mean, I think the thing that all of basketball Twitter wants to see is, for whatever reason, the Pelicans do not want to play Anthony Davis at the five. They're afraid he just can't take the beating, I guess, um, which is fair to some degree. But that yeah. that means he's playing the four, so Terrence Jones will be coming off the bench. I mean, for the love of God, they need to have some minutes this year where Davis is at the five and Jones is at the four. Because if, I mean, if you guys remember a couple years ago, both of them played on that Kentucky team together. Like they have chemistry. It's not like you're just sticking this random stretch four who Davis has never played with. And you're asking Davis to get beaten up at the five just to facilitate that. Like these dudes have played, played together and have, they've played well together. So it sounds like there's still a competition going on for the starting five spot between Omer Sheik and Alexis Ajinkja. Did I say that? I probably said that wrong too. Um, but, you know, hopefully Davis takes over at the five for at least some minutes every game and Jones is going to play 20, 25 minutes. I mean, he signed a one-year minimum deal. Like he's, yeah, you know, no, no one wanted him, which is crazy because two years ago he looked like a long-term piece in Houston. Um, yeah, he can play. Yeah, he can really play. That's that's kind of why I'm I'm dicking the signing. I think he could step up a little bit. I also forgot to mention Etwan Moore. Yeah, obviously. I was waiting for he, that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but he's he, it's it's because he's so low key. He doesn't do things wrong, but he's not the type of guy who goes out and busts for thirty. Right? right. He's just yeah. he's just he he comes into the game. He plays defense. He takes open shots, and he finishes with like. Eight points, three rebounds, a couple of assists, and then he goes back to the bench. Yep. It's, but it's so darn consistent. Yeah. So yeah, but I would love to see New Orleans give him a little bit more run. Like, hey, Etwan, you know you can actually shoot the basketball. Let's let's get you some looks. Yeah. Let's run some plays. Yeah, I think I would like to see that. Longtime listeners of the podcast will remember that I was all in on Etwan Moore as a free agent target. Uh, I mean, you know that the Bulls. Yeah. I wrote something at B-Ball Breakdown like in January, and then like less than a week later, the Bulls put him in the starting lineup. I, it was about like five <laughs> five underrated 
free agent targets, and he was on there. And then the Bulls put him in the starting lineup, and he blew up. And I was like, damn it. Come on, man. Come on, Fred Hoiberg. You're killing me. Um, <laughs> but, yes, Iswab Moore is going to be – you said it, Moore. He's not, like, an explosive scorer, but he just does everything well. He like He's your quintessential yeah. glue guy. So, especially in the absence of Drew and Tyreek, I think he's going to have – a big start to the year um yeah Sarah- oh and he should play with buddy healed like Ooh. that's that's one of my things i want buddy healed to play the the vast majority of his minutes alongside each one more until drew comes back i like that because if there's if there's a guy who brings stability it's each one more yeah and even though healed is is he's 22 and a v- very nba ready he's still a rook though right I really want to see that pairing um, more so than him running around with some, you know, week one. Yeah. I want to see a strong influence next to Buddy. Yeah, I like that. Um, okay, we got to talk about Anthony Davis because I feel like the the popular narrative going into this year is the Pelicans are wasting the beginning of his prime by not having stars next to him. They're about to waste another year of his prime. And... They just don't have the talent around him to have him become the full world-dominating player that we know he can be. But Sarah, I'm curious, after being mostly written off last year and missing all three All-NBA teams, is he about to come in and just wreak havoc on the league? (laughs) I don't see any reason why not, as long as he can stay healthy. Uh, that's exactly what he'll go back to doing as long as he can stay on the floor. Um, it's funny, you mentioned the the playoff run a year ago, well, playoff series, and uh, it's like I must have buried that in some deep corner of my mind. I almost <laughs> completely forgot that happened. Right. It is crazy how you know perception kind of swings from year to year, and not even really perception. It's just that there's so much else going on if a guy misses – a lot of games in a year it's like you almost forget about him but yeah uh yeah if he can stay healthy and and god let's hope that he can yes he's just gonna come back in and beast that's that's what he does yeah so yeah he, it i mean we do have to say he's not i don't think he's played a single season with more than 70 games yet so you do have to figure or factor in injury risk when evaluating ad but i mean Last year, it seems like basketball Twitter was all they had hyped up AD and all these like old time sports writers were like, "Why, why is he getting so much love?" And now Carl Anthony Towns has kind of supplanted him as like the next big thing in terms of like big men who are about to revolutionize the game. Um, <laughs> and I think you know part of Davis's struggle with the injuries, obviously, both to himself and the backcourt. He also Alvin Gentry was having him take more threes. So his percentages like naturally decreased some because he was just taking harder shots. Uh, but uh, we talked about the same kind of thing with Andre Drummond, like forcing them into these uncomfortable positions early is only going to help them develop as players. So I mean, I'm expecting like a historic campaign from Anthony Davis, which he had two years ago. I mean, this is not a crazy outlandish prediction. Like two years ago, he had one of the best PERs of all time. So, yeah. you know, we, we've seen it before. Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to be writing something at Fansided, so keep an eye out for that later this month, about the Pelicans and about Brow. I think redemption is their big story going into the season, both for Brow because of 
being supplanted by Towns and missing out on the all NBA stuff. Uh, the Pelicans themselves, I mean, you know, going from these like playoff upstarts, they were kind of like the Milwaukee of the West and then just kind of crashing and burning. So they're going to look for redemption. Terrence Jones couldn't get more than a million dollars. Lance Stevenson, same thing. Like he needs to prove that he's, he could fit within a system well. Uh, and then Drew and Tyreek are both in contract years. So they have a lot to prove as well. So I, I think the Pelicans, it's going to be an uphill climb because they're in a brutal division. Like all five of these teams are very good. Um, so it's going to be a challenge for them to make it back into the playoffs, but they're probably one of the teams outside of the Sixers that I am most interested in seeing what happens this year, just because their range of possibilities is so wide. And with that said, Sarah, it's time. We finally, <laughs> we, we finally have to address it. We're going to get to the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, and obviously the big story with the Spurs is Tim Duncan. Is the signing of Dwayne Dedman. <laughs> yes, that, that, I'm actually high on Dwayne Dedman. We'll, we'll get to that. But uh, Tim Duncan retired. Uh, he is still part of the organization in some capacity. We don't really know what he's doing. Uh, Whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, they're just <laughs> handing him a $200,000 paycheck and telling him to eat Cheetos if he wants to. Uh, they also lost Boban. They lost David West. lost Boris Diaw. They signed, among others, Pau Gasol, Dwayne Dedman, David Lee, uh, and then drafted DeJunte Murray, uh, brought in a couple of their draft and stash guys too. So Sarah, I'm, I'm going to let you take the floor here. What do you think the Spurs look like in their first year sans Timmy? Sad. <laughs> <laughs> Existential crisis inducing. Um, I, I, it's weird because I really, I'm having a hard time imagining it. Um, I still think they're going to be a very good team. And I know that they have some really good pieces, but it's like I can't really picture how it's all going to come together yet. Um, I, I can't, I honest to God, can't imagine them without Tim. It's going to be really hard for a long time. Almost as hard, well, actually harder probably than getting used to Kevin Durant and a Warriors jersey, which I still haven't been able to do either. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think this is still going to be a really good team. Obviously, Tony and Manu are slowing down as well. And do not ask me if it's Manu's last ride. I saw that in the <laughs> outline, and I can't go there right now. Okay? Okay. It's enough. Fair. It's enough to deal with this. So, um, Yeah, I mean, I let you guys bring up the, the specifics, but you know, I've heard a lot about Devin. I have not seen him play a lot because... You should have seen me. I know, Ryan, you mentioned trying to find a stream of the Sixers the other night. Like, yeah. we're such junkies. You should have seen me try to figure out how to watch that game. <laughs> that, by the time I did, I didn't get to see much of him. Uh, he was in a little bit in the second half, but it, it, there wasn't much to go on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm most excited about Kawhi, of course. And yes. I definitely want to see him uh, as the ball handler in the pick and roll more often this year. I'm hoping that especially those last few minutes of the first quarter where he overlaps with the second unit. I know that Manu is generally the the pick-and-roll ball handler, and we still need Manu to do that as much as possible. But we can take some of those reps off of him because he is slowing down. 
and give Kawhi some of those because I mean so far what I've seen he's he's really improved in that and he wasn't bad last year <laughs> yeah so so I want to see that as much as possible do you think he enters the year as the MVP favorite uh, I mean I don't know what what everyone else is thinking on that but I certainly think he's got to be top two or three mm-hmm. has to be yeah, more, so, I, I know. Mean, I know you've also you, you've expressed your love for Kawhi in the MVP race. Yeah, he's gonna win it. <laughs> there we go. So there you go, Sarah. Yeah. Now you know whatever <laughs> other people are thinking too. <laughs> yeah, and I don't have to jinx him. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we we tackled Tim. What? Now it's your turn to gloat because Pau Gasol is no longer on the Bulls. He's no longer your problem. Gonna, He's Sarah's problem. I'm not going to gloat. I'm not going to gloat. <laughs> Look, I had my chance to gloat previously. I'm just going to sit alongside Sarah and mourn <laughs> because Timmy, man, I, I, I've i actually written about this uh, at People Breakdown beforehand. Um, so here's the thing. I suffer from something called a Shoreman's disease. Basically, um, it's some of my vertebra that is uh, shaped in a triangle instead of rounded, which mm. means that I can make a wrong move and I can have a bad back for a whole week. Like, it could be the smallest freaking thing, like just opening the dishwasher and something just says crack. Mm-hmm. And... This uh, this was was undiagnosed for a long time, and as I was growing up, I was obviously in love with basketball, and I was playing, and I was a huge Michael Jordan fan. And then Michael retired, and my back pains really began at the same point in time to to hurt more and more, and to the point I actually had to give up playing basketball. And I was so pissed at, at life, basically, like Michael left. My back was hurting, so I couldn't play anymore. Like, life sucked. And then I went to Chicago on a trip, and the finals, the 1999 finals were going on. I hadn't seen a minute of it because I didn't have internet connection back then. Um, so I caught game five, you know, where, where San Antonio clinched. And I had never seen Tim Duncan play before. I knew who he was, obviously, but I had never seen him play a whole game before. I've seen some highlights, like, from NBA action or whatever, some dumb program. And, no, I mean, that first half, like, he single-handedly made me fall in love with the game again. The fact that he, he just, he did everything correctly. Like, there was not a misstep on his part. Like... I still remember, you know, how he rotated, how he would set a pick and pop back out and, and hit a 20-footer, like, and, and it's just, everything was just so gorgeous, really, and it was, it was um, I believe, Bob Costas, who, who was on the mic, and he's, he, he, and at one point, he said, from 20 feet, Tim Duncan is perfect, and that was after he set this pick, and I was like, yeah, Bob, he is. <laughs> he really is in all facets he he really is because this was this was just one of these low key type of guys just going out no talk no nothing just getting down to business winning a ring and the contrast of it was so interesting because against the Knicks and Latrell Sprewell you know one of these outspoken guys who previously had been choking PJ Carlissimo <laughs> and I knew I knew about that back then even 
you know, this was just a guy who had, like, a bad rep, and he was trying to get it all, and he was trying to play himself into the game. Like, he took so many shots, it was ridiculous. And I just, I, I saw that contrast, and I just realized, Tim is playing the game the way the game should be played. And because of that, it made me interested in in returning to basketball albeit in a different form because i couldn't play anymore so i had to do something else like write or coach or whatever i ended up writing uh later on in life but i hadn't done that and i hadn't been sitting here with you guys shooting a podcast about basketball if it hadn't been for tim duncan like that's my that's my boy right there so yeah i'm gonna miss look you know Screw being PC and whatnot. I'm gonna miss the living shit out of him. <laughs> like, and I hope for his sake that Netflix kicks the living crap out of the uh, Punisher show because he's a big Punisher fan. <laughs> oh yeah, and I need that. I need that to be good, not for myself, but for Timmy. I want Timmy to sit back <laughs> and catch that series and go, "Damn, man, that's a perfect TV show," just because he fucking earned it. <laughs> That's what. That's why he retired. He just wanted to watch The Punisher. He didn't want. A yeah, trip. yeah. Read comic comic books yeah. and and work on cars. Right. He didn't want a oh, road trip man. to interfere with his Punisher. I'm. Yeah. Lord, I'm honestly. That was both a beautiful story, and I am impressed with your restraint because I really thought you were. This was your time, man. This was your time. Yeah, it was to rip yeah. into the Spurs for having Powell, and I mean going from Tim Duncan who is, I mean, an all-defensive caliber player for the last 15 years, to Pau Gasol, yeah. who is a turnstile. Sarah, we're going to let you, we're, we're going to spare you today. We're not going <laughs> to remind you that the Spurs defense could be in some serious trouble. So instead, I, I want to ask uh, one last thing before we move on to our predictions. Talk to me about these international guys. We have John Charles and Bertans. Uh are they going to be like sneaky contributors? Are they the next Tony and Manu here? <laughs> um, I mean, that might be a little far, of course. Yeah. But um, I definitely think that Davis uh, is going to contribute this year. We've needed to, like, especially last year, really the last two years, the, the three-point percentage has slipped. We went from kind of being some some of the leaders in the league at, at – bringing that style along where you just shoot a bunch of threes even though pop supposedly hates threes uh that was the roster that we had in 2014 so just about everybody could hit threes so we put a lot of them up and we made a lot um you know it, what, that was not so much the case last year of course danny green had an off year mm-hmm. uh patty boris really didn't you know shoot from there like like he had been doing a few years ago um so I think Davis is a is really important. We need him to uh, to run off those screens and hit those threes. Um, I think also he's he's kind of hopefully filling that Matt Bonner role that, of course, Matt didn't play a lot last year, but um, he was always there if you needed somebody to pull a big out of the paint. Um, so hopefully Davis can do that as well. Olivio, I don't know as much about. I know that he's he's long and he's athletic, um, so it's possible. But they have him listed at what a three. That's interesting because I kind of thought he was more of a four. But yeah, me too. Yeah. So I mean, if he if he is at the three, he's he's not going to get much time this year behind 
Kawhi and Kyle and probably Davis, but that will depend. I could see him playing at the four a little bit, um, backing up LMA uh, with David Lee. They could kind of tag team that. That could be fun. Uh, DeJounte, I'm, I'm excited about. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's not uh, international, but and, and there again, you never know how much he's going to get on the floor with the big league squad this year, but hopefully he will at least get a taste of it because he he gives the Spurs something that they have not had really since <laughs> rookie Tony came in. I mean, mm. we don't have that guy who's explosive and can get to the rim, has that speed, and that's one of the things that they've needed to replace the most <laughs> over the last, like, decade. No kidding, mm-hmm. so... Yeah. Kyle Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Slow mo. So, yeah. If he can come along, that's huge for them. Yeah. Definitely. We. I mean, we said it even during the draft. He's like, he is that token Spurs guy who you're like, how the hell did this guy fall that far? <laughs> like in in five years when you're doing a redraft, he's definitely going to be a top ten pick. Uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, think that there is reason to be excited if you're a Spurs fan, even though. Timmy is gone, and Sarah, cover your ears. Manu could be could be following him soon. No. Hey, that's gonna be some rough couple of years for you, Sarah. It's, like, it's you're gonna awful. be yeah. like nonstop crying for three years. <laughs> the Sixers bandwagon is always open. Joel Embiid is playing yeah. basketball again, so you're welcome. You're welcome. And we us. haven't even I've... talked about Lamarcus Aldridge, by the yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about him and how he fits next to Pow. I, I want. I want you to at least a little bit go in on Pal. Well, here's the thing. I, I wised up, Brian. Did, did you? I did on one account because look at who his coach is. Mm-hmm. Look, I I don't like Paolo's defense. Not, not even close to it. But when he has Greg Pavlovich as his coach... I'm not going to say a damn word yeah. because Pau is going to make me look like an idiot. It's a f- very good So point. I'm just going to stay away from any Pau talk, <laughs> even though I am overwhelmingly skeptic of him. Yeah. But, I mean, Sarah and all her fellow Spurs fans have every reason to be optimistic about LaMarcus yep. because he's now got that one year under his belt and under Pop. Yeah. Like, now he's familiar. Right. Last year was the introduction. Now is the arrival. Yes. A good way of playing. I am looking forward yeah, I like that. to YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Spurs PR, just you know, contact me. I'll, yeah. I'll whip up a slogan for yeah, you. Right. Right that. Yeah, yeah you need quick. some royalties on that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I really did. not super concerned about their fit offensively. I think that's going to be, you know, throw mm-hmm. Pal up in a high post, which is he loves to operate from there anyway. Yep. And he can yep. lob those high lows to, to Lamarcus like Tim did last year. So, I mean, that's going to be fine. Yeah, and I think Paul Garcia of Project Spurs wrote. I didn't get to read it yet. I'm sure it's good though, um, so it always is. But he wrote about how they could space. I think he was going to talk about how they both have range, mm-hmm. you know. And I do expect Lamarcus to shoot probably a few more threes this year, but yeah. I- I'm not going to super believe there will be a lot until I see it. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, I did see a story. I forget. From where? But he was talking about how like he didn't even start to feel comfortable until after the All-Star break last year. So, Morton, I think the way you put it, phrase it, is very mm. well. Like He's going to be significantly better this year than he was the prior year because, you know, the 
side effect of Tim retiring is like Kawhi is now officially the face of the franchise and LaMarcus is all, like he is now a big he is the Spurs so it's no longer like you came to Tim Duncan's team it's like Kawhi and LaMarcus like you are the guys now like Timmy and yeah or sorry Tony and Manu are sidekicks like these, this is your team so that should be interesting and then Sarah you mentioned Danny Green earlier I saw that he got LASIK Mm-hmm. uh so his right eye yeah. yeah yeah so he's he's hopeful he he said that vision he wasn't blaming his vision for the right. cold shooting last year but hey who knows maybe maybe he was struggling with some death perception and all of a sudden he's <laughs> gonna start knocking down above 40 percent this year um all right so let's get into our predictions and sarah i'm gonna start with you with your watchability rankings of this division i can only guess who's first for you this one was really actually kind of difficult for me not because they're not watchable but it's like i'm not extremely excited about any of these teams (laughs) um obviously i'm biased so it's really hard to to even rank the spurs but i i will say that i think Kawhi is must must watch every night Mm -hmm. um if you have not gotten on board that train and you have not really paid attention to him in the last couple of years, you need to get in there because he is great. He's going to be a great one when it's all said, said and done if, uh, if he has the kind of longevity that I hope he can have. So, yeah, you need to watch Kawhi. Um, other than that, they all kind of were like middle of the road to me. But, I mean, I know, Brian, you talked about the Pelicans being really interesting. Um I think, you know, Etwan Moore, Buddy, like you said, I like Timmy Frazier. I think he was oh, yeah. a, a crush of mine yeah. last year at some point. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so he could have a good year with Drew's absence. Um, there's a lot of youth and fun. I, I definitely think the Grizzlies are up there because, <laughs> I mean, if, if they could just hit a few threes, <laughs> they, they could be so good. <laughs> yeah. So fingers crossed for that. Um, the Mavs, you gotta watch Dirk because you don't know how long you're gonna have him. Let me stress this: appreciate him and hang on to every <laughs> second that you have, Mavs fans and everybody else. Um, and then the Rockets, I put last because I'm just I'm just not interested in the Rockets. <laughs> I know I know they got D'Antoni now, but like Morton said, I don't expect a lot to change. Hmm. Um, Harden is still gonna be the guy bringing the ball up, dominating the possessions like he always was. I think, in theory, D'Antoni's going to speed them up to where he won't always have to break down uh, already set half-court defense. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. Um, but, yeah, they just they don't interest me personally. Sorry. That's fair. That's spoken like a true Spurs fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, so I'll, I'll give my predicted standings, and I'll be honest that I struggled here. Uh, you know, I, the Spurs are number one, I think, pretty clearly. Uh, and Memphis, I think, is pretty clearly number two. Three, four, and five is tough. Like, I could see this really ha- unfolding anyway. But because I'm pretty high on Bogut's fit in Dallas, I have them three. I have the Rockets four. And just because of the injuries to New Orleans, uh, I have them last. But if Drew Holiday comes back by mid-November, they, you know, they, they could be moving up. We just, with the... Uh, the lack of definition for their timetables with Drew and Tyreek. It's just hard to say what's going to happen with them. What about you, Mort? How do you have this conference shaking out? Well, I'm going to assume that you both watch South Park. Yes. Yeah? Not no, much. sir? Sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Fair enough. 
But Brian, if I say uh, you're such a conformist, <laughs> you know what I'll be. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's that's me right now because I agree again with with your rankings here. I have Spurs one, Grizz two, Mavs three, Rocks four, and Pelly's fifth. So once again, we agree, which is uncanny. However, I have one note here. You have been talking up AD like crazy. Yeah. And you have him fifth. Like, if he has a 30-31 PER season, there's no way in hell they end up at five, though. It's Honestly, it's just because of the injuries. I really... I mean, I think AD is going to have a monster season, but, you know, he could put up 30 and 10, and they could still lose 45-plus games just because, you know, they're, in theory, two of their three, four other best players. Like, we don't know what we're going to get out of Tyreek this year. I think Alvin Gentry has said as much. He said, like, anything we get out of him is a bonus. Like, we know Drew will come back at some point, but he's also had a lot of issues with stress reactions over the years, uh, especially these past couple years. So I hope he stays healthy, especially given what he's going through right now. But just given recent history with the Pelicans, I they're the one team where... I cannot count on them being healthy, and I am factoring health into these projected rankings. Like, I just, you know. All right, fair. Yeah, I just don't know if Tyreek, Drew, or Anthony Davis honestly make it through the season. I hope that's not the case, but I just can't say. No, I get that. It's just it's it might be because I'm I'm including my rookie of the year choice in Buddy Heal. Yes. So I'm thinking that if he just has this rookie of the year campaign that I think he's gonna have, and you have AD putting up like insane numbers, then then I just have a hard time seeing them not finish ahead of Houston at least. Yeah. Because, damn. Yeah, I struggle. I mean, defense. I said it. I struggled with the three, four, five. I mean, I think Dallas should be third, yeah. but I could easily see New Orleans getting above Houston mm. for that <laughs> for the reason you just mentioned. I just yeah. Houston might literally have to score 130 a night to win. And I don't know if you can do that. Uh that actually leads into our MVPs for the division. And you guys both gave me crap oh here before we yeah. started recording. So I'm assuming both of you have Kawhi as MVP. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I picked James Harden and I'm gonna defend this. Because Kawhi, in terms of league-wide MVP, I agree he enters the season as the favorite. And this boils down, as always, to the definition of MVP that you use. If it is the best player on the best team, it is Kawhi by a landslide. If it is the guy who is singly most important to your team, I think it's between Harden and Anthony Davis, and then Kawhi is third. Because if James Harden doesn't play to his full potential, that Rockets team is winning 25 games. And same thing with the Pelicans. If AD gets hurt, or if AD isn't putting up like 30, 25 and 10, 30 and 10, they're winning 20 games. Like These teams are so centrally built around these two superstars. Whereas the Spurs, you still have LaMarcus, you still have Tony, you still have Manu, you still have Powell, you still have Pop. Like If Kawhi got hurt, that would knock them down from a 55-win championship contender to, like, a 40-win scrapping for a playoff spot, but they're still going to make it. Whereas, you know, I just, I think Harden and Davis, just Harden even more, I mean, he's going to be the full-time point guard. Like, he's he is that team. And if he plays defense like he did two years ago, I mean, 
you guys make fun of me. He, he finished second in the actual MVP voting two years ago. So it's not like, you know, totally preposterous. He just can't have these possessions that get Vine become like Vine Hall of Fame where he's just like literally <laughs> falling asleep on his feet. Uh, so I, I hope that's at least an adequate defense. But in, in terms of league-wide MVP, I definitely say Kawhi just in this division. I'm going to say Harden is the most important player to his team. It's it's the definition defense. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen that a time or two, like generally. And I think you raise a good point here because this really bugs me about the MVP award. Like some, they take it literally mm-hmm. and others don't. Like we need a very clear definition of what constitutes the MVP. Like even sport writers who vote on the damn award doesn't see eye to eye at how it should be voted on like based on what merits right so we need to actually figure that out because i agree with you the the definition defense is correct like if you take the mvp literally then yes it's james harden unquestionably but he's not the best player right yeah and and yeah and you know um no but i i, I get the defense and you're right but having said that, we need we need to define it. So from here on out, we need we need to make like a the NBA podcast definition that we <laughs> consistently hang on to. Well, we're going to be giving our MVP picks in a couple weeks for the predictions for the all the awards in the season. So we will come up with one. We will reveal it on that episode that we can refer to moving forward. Um, I've already given up like two major awards. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, coach of the year in the division. I assume we're all going pop here. No major arguments. Yeah, but I'll give Mike a, a little love to Carlisle. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Above, definitely, above pop up or... there. No, I oh, know. Okay. Okay. But just <laughs> as a he's a very very good coach. Yeah, as a silver medalist, uh, that's fair. Yes. Um, all right, so let's move on to our crushes in the division, and Sarah. I'm going to start with you. Who are you crushing on here? This was really hard for me to narrow down. <laughs> there are actually quite a few. Like, I think Justin Anderson was one Ooh, yeah. in a previous, you know, last year that I picked at one point. Um, same with Tim Frazier. Um, there's a bunch of young Spurs. I, I love all of them, but I'm not going <laughs> to pick one of them. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that I think Solomon Hill is going to have a good year. I like it. Um He's, you know, obviously he better because I'm assuming he's going to be their starter at three and he's making like 11 million this year, I think. Mm-hmm. I think even more. I think 12. 12 or oh, 13. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, I know Morton <laughs> talked about him not being especially efficient. And he didn't play – he only played 866 minutes last year, but his true shooting percentage was like 54, which isn't, isn't dreadful at all. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he got better last year? Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't terrible. <laughs> That's fair. He definitely has a lot of you know ability on both sides of the ball. So, I mean, it's it's. I could be completely wrong, but he's he's gonna have certainly a lot more opportunity and responsibility. And I'm gonna say he he uh, lives up to it. I like that pick a lot. I, I I'm right with you. I, I think Solomon Hill's gonna be gonna be one of those guys where you're like, oh wow, he was worth twelve million dollars a year. Who knew? <laughs> Because he, he replaced Paul George for most of the year when he broke his leg and played adequately and then played well in limited minutes last year. Um, Mort, how about you? Who's your crush in the division? 
Well, Sarah refused to take one of the young Spurs, <laughs> and this guy isn't that young. But Jonathan freaking Oh yes, good pick. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't even pick. talk about him. Yeah, like this guy is athletic. He plays under control. He's got a three-point shot. He can get to the line. I like him. I like his game. And he seemed like it seemed like he just unlocked himself under Pop. Yeah. Like here's a guy was who wasn't on the NBA radar. He came in, got the confidence of Pop and just like lived off of that. Now he again, he's got a year in in this system. Next year is going to be huge for him. He could be like this he could be like a microwave scorer coming in getting 12 points a game. I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, I I wrote a thing at B-Ball Breakdown toward the end of last year about, like, five undrafted rookies who are making a huge impact, and Jonathan Simmons is on there. He was mm-hmm. really good as an under-the-radar guy. Your boy, uh, Cristiano Felicio, was also on there. Yeah, baby. Uh, <laughs> uh, we already talked about my crush, but Etwan Moore, I just, I love the guy. I've loved him for close to a year now. Um uh, you know, I just think he's going to have an oversized impact in New Orleans, especially given the injuries in the backcourt. Uh, you know, he's just a smart, fundamental two-way player, and you cannot get enough of those guys, even if he's not going to go off for 30 a game. But that's fine. You don't need him in that role. I think, you know, especially after Eric Gordon, like, I love the guy, but he's not much of a defender. You know, Etwan's going to be a market upgrade in that department and i think even though the rocket or the sorry the pelicans don't have like the splashy names that they did last year i think they're gonna fit better around anthony davis because they built between Moore and solomon hill they got these good young two-way guys to put next to brow so there we go that that's gonna wrap it up for the southwest division preview sarah you survived i made it yeah <laughs> We've still got opening night in the entire season to get through, though. <laughs> right, that's true. Well, <laughs> one step at a time. Baby steps here. Yeah. Uh, join us next time as we finish our look at the divisions with the Northwest with Tom Thibodeau and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, until then, I'm Brian Tapork. I was joined again by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. As always, guys, it was great talking to you. You too. Likewise, Brian. All right, take care. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and More. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn 
Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> all right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's what, man. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.